Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I am your host, Midge Noble. And as a quick announcement, I want to remind you that I am just thrilled to share that I will be recording the Gay With God podcast live again from the Wild Goose Festival this July 11 through 14. The Wild Goose Festival, if you haven't heard about it, it is a transformational community grounded in faith-inspired social justice. It's a -a one-of-a-kind gathering that brings together activists, artists, and seekers from all walks of life to explore justice, art, spirituality, and community. It's being held at Fan Farms in Union Grove, North Carolina, and I'd love for you to join me there. From engaging workshops to inspiring panels and interactive experiences, Wild Goose has something for everyone. They even have a nighttime dance that they do where you put headphones on and half of you have one song in your head and the other ones have a different song and they're dancing. And oh my God, it is the funniest thing ever. So mark your calendars and let's be part of this incredible community that is committed to making a positive impact in the world. For more information, you can go to wildgoosefestival.org. And as a bonus, as a follower of the Gay With God podcast, if you use a discount code when you go to get your ticket, A-Midge, you will get $50 off the price of your adult weekend ticket. So join me there. But we're not there yet. We're still here. And I'm so excited to have this guest with me this morning. It, it It's really kismet how people meet online and how things develop and how connections are made. And it's just perfect. So let me introduce you to Hannah Jones. Hannah is a self-described 36-year-old gay baby. <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> realization. She is gay during a stay in drug rehab three years ago and has remained sober ever since, and describes the process as a slow awakening to always knowing. Boy, do I resonate with that. That's so cool. Hannah has been a licensed professional counselor for about 10 years now and currently works for BetterHelp.com. She is a mom to her awesome five-year-old son, Truett, and dog mom to two Rhodesian Ridgebacks who think they are lap dogs. (laughs) In her spare time, you're likely to find Hannah immersed in nature. Camping, backpacking, bikepacking, marathon running, nature photography, kayaking, anything that gets her outdoors. Other hobbies include reading nonfiction, learning, drumming, and spending time with her girlfriend. Of all which are pursuits she wouldn't enjoy today if she hadn't embraced her authentic self. Hannah's story is an inspiration for anyone who feels held back by their religion, demonstrating to all of us that life of vibrancy and fulfillment awaits us when we start living as the people we were made to be. On the uh, empoweredmidge.podbean.com show page, you're going to be able to see a list of her coming out songs that were helpful to her and books that have had the greatest impact on her. And so those will be on the show page after the show. So Hannah, welcome to the Gay With God podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
never thought I would be here. Um, you know, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and they've been really helpful in, in my growth. And so I never in a million years thought I would actually be on the podcast. So yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, I am grateful that you are, and I'm grateful that you reached out, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I'm glad that it's helpful. I always tell people that if, you know, that if anything I put out into the world helps somebody, then that's exactly my my mission, my calling, my path, whatever it is you want to call it. That's that's who I've been created to be. So tell us your story. Um, well, <laughs> that's that's such a loaded question, or not yes, really a question, but wow, it's... Um, <laughs> It's funny because I need like an elevator pitch or something for that. <laughs> not like you're going to be talking about an elevator, but it just, <laughs> my story has so many twists and turns. And, and, you know, if you told me I'd end up here, like even like, two years ago, I would have been like, no way, this is not possible. Um, But yeah, basically I, I um grew up in a really small town, Um, grew up in a very kind of conservative religious environment. Um, like the whole town was, it's a small town in Texas, um, one red light, you know, very small. Um, and I, I realized, so anyway, I had a lot of memories when I was in rehab that resurfaced. Um, but I, one of the memories I had in rehab were like all these memories that I had blocked out um, of me realizing, hey, I'm gay. Um, you know, I even had like a memory of like crying in the bathtub about to tell my parents and I had blocked all of that out, um, you know, for years. Um, and then that, it all kind of came back to me and I was like, wow, but basically I, um, was, did whatever I conformed, you know, I, cause I was this big tomboy from like third grade into seventh grade. I had my hair short and I just remember how it was not approved. It, it was, I could feel it, you know, I'm pr pretty perceptive and I could feel that this was not okay. And so I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be liked. And then I became very, um, girlish. Right. And, um, you know, it, and I didn't then like, I didn't know I was gay, right? Like in high school, I didn't know I was gay. And then I went to college. I went to a um, Southern Baptist college. And so that's not the best environment to, to be yourself and discover that you're gay. Um, but I knew like I, I didn't like guys. And I was just like, well, maybe I'm, you know, I'm probably never going to get married. And um, anyway, I met someone in my senior year of college um, and we eventually married. And so I actually remember this thought of like, oh, yay, now I know I'm not gay because I just married a guy. Yay. And I was like, why? Why am I thinking that? Like, that's odd. I'm <laughs> yeah. Like, what? That's not. And anyway, I, I I was very, very good at suppressing um, yeah. and, and just becoming who everybody wanted me to be. Um, and, and I was, I mean, me and my, my ex-husband were very much into the church. You know, we, we were young life leaders. We we were very engaged. And so um, I just remember like, you know, always being taught, like, like if you sacrifice yourself for others, if you deny yourself, you know, that's the path to happiness. That's, that's how you're happy. And so I remember doing all this stuff, you know, doing all this ministry. And then I, you know, became a counselor and I was working at like a, a child sexual abuse place. And like, I was pouring into all these people. And I just remember feeling so empty. I was just so empty. I was so upset. I was so numb. Um, and I just, I wasn't connected to anybody. And I remember going, I just want connection. Like, I just want to be connected to someone. But what I didn't realize is I can't connect to someone without being myself. And mm -hmm. so what I showed to the world was this, like, you know, very just straight repressed, you know, I, I didn't have a personality, which was really strange. Um, because I'd kind of been programmed, right? Act this way, do this way. And in my culture, like growing up, 
the messaging for women, whether it's like, you know, covert or overt was be quiet, stay small, you know, be meek, smile. Um, And then, you know, I, I, um, anyway, I became a counselor and over the years, I started slowly drinking more and more and more. Um, And then I realized at one point, you know, I'm an alcoholic, like I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm drinking so much. Um, And then what also happened is, so I have ADHD and I got on Adderall and I got severely addicted to Adderall, like Mm. severely addicted. It was, it was for years. It was really horrible. And so on top of that, I was living this double life. You know, I was doing all this ministry stuff. And then like at home, I was just, I was drinking. I was, I was, you know, Adderall. I was on Ambien. I was just on all these, these like, you know, legal, legal drugs. And so I was like, well, I'm not a drug addict. I'm on these prescription drugs. Um, Mm But anyway, it got very much out of hand. And I realized um, this is about three years ago. Um, I, I realized like, um, well, uh, no, never mind. I had a child. So I had I have, he's five years old now. I had a child um, and that changed me a lot. Like I actually started like nurturing and cultivating a sense of like love for myself because he he reminded he was so much like me as a kid. And I just I saw like kind of that inner child stuff and I was able to be a lot kinder to myself. Um, and anyway, I got a lot better, like substance abuse wise, but I was still, I still had issues. Um, and I realized I, I got good enough, better enough to survive life. And I, I realized, you know, I mean, I, I, I was from a, um, my ex-husband was very, like we had money and, and I realized, you know, I can get by life smiling and nodding, mm. staying quiet, smiling and nodding. And I'm like, that was terrifying for me. Cause I'm like, I'm finally stable enough where no one's going to raise eyebrows, but I'm, I'm very unhappy. Um, and so I realized like, I need to go to rehab. Um, I want to be a better mom. I want to, I'm going to, you know, and it was, I went because I was like, I'm the problem, you know, my poor ex-husband, like it's all me. And so when I got to rehab, it was surprising. Like, uh, it was the first time I was actually really open about some of the things, um, my ex had done to me and, Um, because we'd only had like mutual friends. So I, you know, back out of rehab, I couldn't, I couldn't open up about some of the things that were really concerning me. You know, I was honest and they were like, that's not okay. Like you're not the, it's not you. And they kind of helped me understand the cause and effect and how I was driven to drinking. And so I I got out of, oh, in rehab, I was like, um, I realized, oh my goodness, all these memories started resurfacing of me being gay, of, of like having crushes on girls. And I just, I had no memory of that when I was pretending to be straight right yeah. um and so really it it was in rehab and they asked me in rehab they're like what do you want and that was just the strangest question because I'd never been asked what I wanted as a woman it was like this is what your role is this is what you do and I remember thinking well that's so selfish it doesn't matter what I want like it matters what other people want God you know I had all these verses in my mind that I grew, grew up with, with like deny yourself pick up your cross follow me God's ways are higher than your ways um you know, his understanding is above your understanding. And just like all these, these verses that kind of stop critical thinking. Um, and so, yeah. And, and anyway, it was a really big moment. And so when I got out of rehab, I um, got into counseling, like I'm a counselor, but I went to counseling and, um, and I was like, I need to figure this out. Right. I need to figure this out. I'm, it was really tough. Cause I'm like, I just wish I could just suppress all this and go back because knowing I'm gay is not helpful for being in a straight marriage. And so already been a heterosexual can't go back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I went to counseling and, and counseling, you know, it didn't take me long, did not take me long at all. <laughs> um, 
to realize I was gay. And so I said it out loud. I'm like, you know what? I'm gay. And and the counselor's like, wow, like that's a big moment. How does that feel? And I'm like, you know, it feels really good. It feels great, you know? Um, and so I wanted to be honest with my my then husband, um, that, you know, I'm gay. But when I when I was honest with him, I mean, I was very much about like, I'm not leaving this marriage. Like we're staying. Um, and and he was he when I told him, he was very much like, thank you for telling me, you know, we're going to try to work this out. But then over time, he got a lot more, um, let's just say mean. And he, he was very much like, you had a responsibility for, for having known you were gay sooner. And I'm like, I didn't. I, I, I had, How can you be responsible for not knowing what you didn't know? And and like the culture kind of programmed me to not know. Like everything in my life was, was totally against me knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I got a job at like a domestic abuse shelter as a counselor. And so I started, you know, hearing the stories of the women and working with them. And I realized, oh, my goodness, some of these dynamics that are in this relationship are in my relationship with him. Mm. Um, And I just anyway, I don't want to talk. He's still, you know, my son's father. And, you know, we have a cordial co-parenting relationship. But uh, let's just say, I mean, he was very kind of emotionally abusive, manipulative, um, made me so basically with him he gaslit me a lot and made me doubt myself he made me feel small and so once I got out of rehab I actually quit doubting myself I I became more assertive and he did not like that and so that's when we had a lot of conflict and problems and so I started realizing if I stay with him he's going to stump my growth as a human um and anyway some more things happened and I realized there was a point where I realized and it all kind of came together I'm like if I stay in this marriage I'm going to to be an alcoholic. Like I cannot stay sober in this environment. Um, and and so, a lot of times like you hear people saying, "Well, you have to choose for yourself, or you have to choose your children." You know, it's either or. It's kind of mutually exclusive. And so, what I realized is, it's really that's a false dichotomy. You can choose both yourself and and your child. And I realized, like, if I stay in this relationship, I'm going to be an alcoholic. I'm not going to be a good mom. Um, I have to have to leave. I have to separate. Um, and it was just a moment for me. It, it was like the best choice for myself, the best choice for my child. Um, and anyway, there was a lot of things involved, but we we got a divorce. Um, and that was really tough um, because when we got a divorce, I came out as gay, like pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and I kind of regret doing that because now everyone and this is my family, his family, they they think I got a divorce only because I'm gay. Um and that's not the truth. And that might have been a factor, but it was I was I um, let's just say in that marriage, I was not valued. I was not um, I, I, he, he was stunting my growth a lot. And it was also pretty emotionally abusive. And so um, he, he instead of he, he came out and he told everybody we were divorced because I'm gay. And so that really made my image very bad for for my family. I didn't get any support. Um and and it just was so frustrating because I'm like, that's not like I was willing to stay. And anyway, looking back, I don't think that would have been the best choice for me anyway. Um, but that was that was a really big deal. I mean, this was a few years ago and we decided to move. We decided to move to an even more conservative town to splitting up, but like living in separate houses to raise our son because we were, we're close to family and my son and, and the family, like we need some help and it's really good for him. He needs some stability during all of this. Um, and it, 
it's really, it's a tough environment because it's where all his family is, where all my family is, and I'm rejected. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of issues right now, a lot of conflict with my, my family. Um, and, and they just, it's, I know it's a lot for them to process, but they have just been very judgmental from the get-go, right? Like, um, and so, like, I've been trying to talk to my mom um, about, like, hey, I really wish, like, I didn't have to live this life, you know? I didn't have to waste, like, 10 years of all this pain if I just knew, if I was just open. And um, she's just been very, very reluctant to, um, in, you know, engage. And so, like, even growing up, I remember my mom and my grandma, we only, we had one gay cousin, and, like, that was a really big deal. And I remember them gossiping about the gay cousin right and so I just remember feeling so horrible as a child like they're not going to accept me if they really knew who I was and so I tried to talk to my mom about that and she was just absolutely just put anyway her her three things deny defend deflect that's her kind of thing anyway um but it was the best choice I ever made um I have flourished so much more since leaving the marriage I had I'm helping people so my counseling has gotten so like as a counselor, I've been so much of a better counselor. Um, I have just, I would say right now, even though there's just a lot of kind of loose ends, I've never been more content in like my mind, my mind, body, and spirit, like as I am now. Um, so that's kind of the short of it. <laughs> there's a lot more that, that kind of happened with that. Um, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm I've been sober ever since. Um, you know, and the serenity prayer really got to me because it was like, you know, accept the thing, you know, change the things that you can, accept the things that you you can't you you can't change, and then the wisdom knows the difference. And so I realized I am trying to change me being gay. I'm trying to change something I cannot change, mm-hmm. um, and that's where my conflict is. And so once I became myself, I mean, I am just I can't like I have struggles and everything, but I am so content. I'm so happy. Um, and so. Anyway, once once we split up, I was like, I want to start dating. I want to kind of get into this. I mean, I'm ready. You know, I, it's like I haven't I'm I'm excited. Um, and that was a journey, the dating apps. <laughs> so I, I think there should be like a, a bumper sticker like I survived the dating apps, you know, like I <laughs> I survived. Um, and I, I met my now girlfriend um, and it's great. Like I can't I just can't believe a relationship like this actually exists. I feel so loved, so validated, like we help each other. It's just, it's great. Um, so that's where I am now. Um, Authenticity so, yeah. <laughs> is awesome. Authenticity is awesome. Yeah. So the question that I had was, do you think that if you had, because, you know, religion is very specific and there are certain hot button topics like gay, divorce, you know, there are certain things that, that we get dinged for. Yes, exactly. In the religious community. If you had divorced your husband and was not gay, do you think that you would have been rallied around or mm. would that even the divorce thing have been in, in your conservative religion? Would that have been a problem? That would have been a problem. Yeah. Um, that would have been a big problem. Like my mother-in-law um, was very much like a whole, a her whole marriage she was talking about. Like she would send all these marriage books, actually to me, not to her son. She would send me like, you know, love and submit, um, all these these books about like being a quiet woman submitting. And then she wanted to do Bible studies with me on it. And I'm like, I can't. This is not how, how, what I believe. I'm egalitarian. Um, you know, it's not complementarian. And like um, that. W- and she made she made marriage an idol. And and I don't it, it's ironic because it's like 
marriage is not should not be an idol you know when you talk about like idols in the, in the bible that is not a good thing right. um so i think yes i probably i would not have been rallied around but i think i would have gotten a lot more support um yeah a lot more. Yeah. yeah yeah and and explain what how you identify your faith Oh, oh, well, I was talking about like in roles with men and women, you know, they oh, have complementarianism. Okay. Okay. That's more about like the woman submits to the man, but they're yeah. equal in a way. Um, and then egalitarianism is like they're equal, right? They're they don't have like these specific roles. Um okay. and so, I heard that wrong and I thought you came up with your own new faith, and I'm like, tell me oh, more. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Which well, I guess I yeah. Yeah, you could. But, yeah. It's all up to you. So I'm wondering where did your faith land through all of this and through all, you know, yeah. Do you think that you were, and I don't know how to phrase this exactly, so forgive me, but do you think that you you were a Christian in the beginning and that you believed the Christian beliefs mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. realized you were gay? Okay. And so if you if you started out with that, then well, yeah. how it landed, how did it change maybe throughout um, that you were in that religion yeah that's a good question well so I actually um in my theology you know I I had been affirming you know about three years prior to me realizing I was gay like I you know did all the studies and realized like this is not really what the bible said like this whole thing about this black and white like you can't be gay it's bad yeah. um you know they call it the six clobber passages and most of them are are in the Old Testament beside things like don't eat shellfish. And, and you know, it's I, I just realized there's not enough basis for for this, like you can't be gay thing. And um, so I, I had been affirming prior to that. Um, and I would say my faith was changing even before I realized I was gay because I got very disillusioned. Um, you know, I, I my whole family are big Trump supporters. And I just started realizing like, you know, this is um, these are people who say they're Christian, but they're opposite of what Jesus is talking about. Right. Like, like opposite, like directly opposite, not even like and you'd hear a lot like, well, churches, you know, nobody is perfect in church and we all are sinful. And so that's why you're being disappointed with people. But it wasn't just like they were a little off. They're the opposite of what Jesus is calling us to do. So I'd already been kind of jaded with that. Um, but you know, you asked like where my faith landed. Um, I would say it's still not landing, you know, it's still, and I don't want it to land. I don't want to be completely certain in anything because I think that keeps you from critical thinking. Um, so I, I would say I've actually a lot more um, before I, I thought God was mad at me and hated me. And now I kind of like see, and I even kind of call God a hurt, right? Like now I see that, that God is, um, that God loves me and I've never felt more loved by God, more, um, affirmed by, by God. Um, but I, I don't even know, like I was actually talking to my girlfriend about this the other day and I'm like, do I call myself, you know, a Christian? And I don't know. I don't like that word just has so much baggage to it. Um, but I am a person of faith, you know, I, I don't, I can't, I'm not a black and white thinker anymore. Um, but, but I am a person that, that, um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't really know necessarily um, everything I believe in, but I do believe we're here for a purpose and it's to help people and also love ourselves. And um, yeah, you can ask me, probably you can ask me more specific questions about that. I love that. I would like to expand on that a little bit. Yeah. 
think we're all growing. And I love how you sanded that, said that, that you don't want to be, um, you know, you don't want your faith to land as in this mm -hmm. is the bottom line. And I appreciate that so much because um, I don't think there is a bottom line because I think God is still speaking and God <laughs> is still working in all of us. And so we're never going to be done. Our faith <laughs> is always emerging and growing and changing and morphing into to who we are and who we yeah. are being called to be. So I love that. I think that's beautiful. Um, so your family now, you said they've pretty much disengaged with you. Do you have any contact with them that's that's in person or is it mainly through calls and texts? Do they, do they allow you to come to their home? Yes. So they've actually, that's a whole other aspect. So they have not been like, I'm throwing you out. You can't come to my home. You're doing bad. They didn't do that. They they've invited me to their house. But here's the issue is once I started being honest with myself that I'm gay, it actually opened up so many other doors for me to be honest about other family dysfunctions and things like that. So I would say it's not even the gay thing that that we're I mean, yes, that like I get told all the time we don't support your lifestyle. I'm like, what is my lifestyle? Like I help people. I'm, you know, anyway, but it's more of um they I became trying to talk to my parents about some things that they're doing currently because they um they're not nice to me and they've never been kind of nice to me and so um I've I've once I started becoming more secure in myself I realized well I do have value and I actually don't think that they should be mean to me and so I started standing up for myself um and, and you know like don't say that and actually I probably stood up for myself the you know the pendulum swings the other way I was probably very defensive looking back um but I just I just saw everything I saw the dysfunction I saw the family dynamics I saw what my mom was doing I saw the triangulation I saw all of that and so it's so hard to unsee that um but it make I mean it honestly once I figured it out it made so much sense as to why I felt the way I did about my family um so I've been trying to be honest about that with my parents and they've been completely um, resistant to that. So like I even was telling my mom, hey, that really hurt me, you know, growing up here and you talk about the one gay cousin. And, and I said, like, that's and she's like, I'm not apologizing about that. I'm not I'm not, um, I, you know, it just very much like they don't they don't they don't realize cause and effect a lot. <laughs> I should say that. Um, yeah. Well, and it's hard for, I think it's hard for parents to, to in their own faith and how they, they are, had been mm -hmm. raised and how they worship and what they believe. It's really hard for them to change their beliefs. And if they start right. to toward accepting your homosexuality or your queerness or then they are, what we, we talk about is that they're now communing with the sinner in their mind and mm -hmm. they'll go down. And so it's hard for them to take some things back. And even when you're asking for an apology for something that they, well, I'm not apologizing for that because if I'd gone along mm -hmm. with that, then I'm part of the sin, which yeah, is right. not true, but that's how they were raised to believe. And it's really hard to take the fear aspect out of religion. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do identify as Christian. I don't identify with Christian nationalism. I don't. Yeah with bigotry i don't identify with religious trauma aspects you know so and one of our uh supply priests said one time she said i want to get a t-shirt that says christian on the front and on the back it says not one not like that one not, or not like that. <laughs> because, yeah yeah, yeah. It is 
hot button word right now. It's all negative. It's all about in the name of God, we're going to, you know, climb up the, the capital in the name of God, we're going to save, you know, the white race. And it's so not mm -hmm. the Jesus movement. It's yes. not what yeah. Jesus was here to show us. It wasn't the path ever. Mm -hmm. And it's just gotten out of control. Yeah. I totally yeah. understand you swinging from one, one side of not knowing to hear me <laughs> because we do that. You know, we go 360 until we yeah. authentic middle yeah. and hard place to, to kind of navigate right. because yeah. we are passionate and we are living authentically and we don't want to take that back either. Yeah. You know? so yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. I always said that it would have been easier if my parents had disowned me because I could have just, it would have been painful yeah. and it would have hurt really, really bad. And then I could have taken that break and moved on. But, mm -hmm. but I realized since writing the memoir and, and really having to resurface all those emotions, I was so grateful that they didn't disown me because I wouldn't have done the work I've been doing. I wouldn't mm -hmm. have become who I am now because I would yeah, have yeah. engaged with the pain and right. not with it. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. So it is, it is painful to get through all of their bigotry and all of their lack of understanding of the Bible yeah. itself. And they're not open. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. They're not open. And like I told my mom, like, I'm, I'm very much like, I understand that you can't go from here all the way to here, right. but cause I didn't, you know, I, I, you know, it was a slow process, but I'm, you know, I told her, I understand. I don't expect you to completely agree with me, but here's some books that help me. Would you like to read those books? And no, no, <laughs> you know, and, and like, I've given her, I've given her, like, there's a book I've read discovering the inner mother, uh, this, yeah, discovering the inner mother. And it was so like, it just talks so much about the dynamics that me and my mom had and like, Hey, this could help our relationship go deeper. And I think that's probably the issue is they don't want to know me deeper. They only want a surface level relationship and they they haven't disowned me. They very much are like, can you come visit? Um, but every time I see them, it's just very, you know, they, they talk down to me. I don't, and like the past is the past. I don't expect to get a lot of apologies for the past, but the past does inform the present. And so if they're continuing to act the way they do as they did in the past presently, then they're long, no longer like safe to be around emotionally. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's been the big thing is like my mom and my dad are just like very much like we are not willing to to entertain that at all. Um, yeah. But I would, yeah, like I say, I don't think it's even the gay thing. I think it's just the the dishonesty, the lack of in, like self-awareness on their part. Um and I hate using this word. I hate it, but I think my mom might be a bit of a narcissist. So mm -hmm. it, it's, um, yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, but I think, um, anyway, yeah. Well, how, how have you had any contact with your gay cousin? Are you? In contact yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, and that's what my mom's mad about me about. So I, I actually had a great conversation with him and he was just like, you know, I, I, my family and I've gotten even closer because I'm more honest and it just takes a while. And I said, I really, you know, I appreciate that. And I said, you know, I, I'd never, I said, I remember feeling like when you were being talked about by our family, I just remember feeling like, why are they talking about him? It's not a big deal. And um, I, I told her, I told him that. And so it was just a really good conversation. Um, but I mentioned to my mom, I said, me and Jim had a good conversation. I felt supportive. And and I said, you know, I, we had a good conversation about just 
uh, me feeling like I didn't understand why they, what you were talking about them. And she got, she got mad and she gave me the silent treatment for about three months. Um, yeah. And I'm like, don't you want me to have some support here? Um, she didn't yeah. want you to out her bigotry to the cousin. She didn't want me to unmask her. <laughs> yes. My yeah. mom, my mom wears masks. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. That's well, I'm grateful that you have a supportive cousin. Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else in your family that may not be gay that has um, become more affirming over time? I'm trying to remember. I, I don't think so. Um, well, so like, even my grandma, I remember when I realized I was gay and she was talking about the gay people, I go, hey, Nana, would you rather have a gay granddaughter or a dead granddaughter? And she said, oh, good thing I don't have to answer that question, right? So it's like, wouldn't you just say gay, you know, it, um, so I'm just, I'm trying to think. That, that makes like, so my sister for a minute, like, yeah. would she have answered that question? Right, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Uh -huh. yeah, so I'm just, um. Maybe my sister, like my sister doesn't have a problem with the gay thing, but she's also very uh, narcissistic. So I, I kind of stay away from her a little bit. Um, you know, she's, yeah, any, she makes fun of me a lot. So I kind of stay, but yeah, I'm trying to think, not really. <laughs> uh -huh. Unfortunately, actually I get, I've been rejected and like, I, I don't go to Christmases anymore and I've never had anyone from the family reach out to me and say, Hey, we really miss you. Um, it's just silence. Silence speaks very loudly. Oh, my aunt, my aunt is, um, she's not like affirming with the gay thing, but she's also willing to hear me out and listen to me. So I did go visit her recently and it was a really good visit. So, um, yes, her. Excellent. And, and how is the family relationships with your girlfriend? Are you included in their family? Um, so her, no, um, her girlfriend, um, my, my girlfriend's family is, is anti-gay as well. Um, so that's where we bond as we realize we're trying to create our own family. Um, and she's really helped me out a lot because she's been out a lot longer than me. Um, and she's helped me kind of understand that. Um, but I mean, I am, she has uh, two kids and so we, we have our own little family. Yeah. yeah. And how is your son at this point? Are you able yeah. to connect with him and, and yeah um, yeah it's great or anything say that again try to take him away from you or block you from seeing him um yes but not it that's a whole other story <laughs> um not anymore so it's yeah we we're connecting well um and and my ex very much wants me part you know wants my son to know me so he's that's why you know, he's very much, he's not using my son at all to um, get back at me. So that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, that's the worst, the worst thing mm -hmm. is to, to damage the kids. Yeah. Know, despite the other parents. So I'm glad mm -hmm. that's one little check mark for your. your yeah. Parents. Yeah. And my relationship with him, my son has gotten a lot better too, just because I'm more present. That's, that's a whole other thing. I'm more present. I'm more in the here and now I appreciate him so much more because I'm not so focused on, you know, all the other things. It's just our, our presence and everything is great. Good. Good. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, I love them. that doesn't always happen. And so I'm mm -hmm. glad. So you're still in the great, ungreat state of Texas. <laughs> yes. 
So yes. I should be down down furthest. I'm in North Carolina and I'm as far south as I ever hope to be. Please, dear Lord Jesus, I don't want to go anywhere else south. Um, and I know there are also, you know, other other states that are not southern states that that have problems and and aren't dealing with things well these these days. But that's a tough place to be. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to be in Austin. That's where my girlfriend lives. Um, and, you know, I travel to see her and just we can walk around Austin holding hands like nobody looks at us. But when she comes to visit me in Nacogdoches, which is small town um, where SFA is, small town in Texas, um, we get we get stared at a lot. We um, and, and the thing is, she's actually going to move here in May um, to to you know, be near me. Um, and so that's, that's going to be tough. I think I would, I prefer, I would prefer to move there yeah. to Austin, yeah. um, but I can't because my son is is here. So yeah, I'm going to be there for him. Yeah. That's, that's such a complicated thing and it shouldn't be, but it, it is. And I don't see it getting progressively mm -hmm. better anytime soon, mm -hmm. not in big steps at all. Yeah. So you get support from her. And, and you're being supported by your own sobriety and by your mm -hmm. own wellness. Mm -hmm. You feel support. Is there any affirming church down where you are now that if you wanted no, to go? I, there is one church I've heard about. Um, and I emailed the pastor and I told him my story um, and he didn't email me back. So I'm not going to go. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah. Well, and the only, the only way to really know the, I mean, yes, talking to the pastor, but I love that that we can look online for churches and view some of the online streams and just hear what they're talking about, see who's serving in the church. If no mm -hmm. women are reading, if no women are speaking in the church at all, if mm -hmm. it's all male pastors, then you know mm -hmm. kind of where they stand. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And a lot of churches will say, you know, hey, we're affirming, and then you get down to it and they're not. So it's well I just I, I just love online streaming it started our church started doing that I guess during the pandemic and uh, a lot of churches did and so mm -hmm. now you know it's it's very easy for us to connect it's not like worshiping with a whole body of people that support you and can be there for you you know in person but mm -hmm. it's, for me it's better than nothing if if I'm yeah. okay I can still you know log in and, and get an online church service yeah and and it's it just shouldn't be that way you know, I know we're getting more affirming churches and there are more churches that are recognizing women as mm -hmm. pastors. Um, I grew up Advent Christian, which is similar to Baptist, and I don't think we have any women pastors yet. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a very progressive Baptist church down in um, Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, they have a gay minister and have for years, even when it wasn't politically correct, and mm -hmm. she forged herself ahead and was really battling, but she... Yeah. They, that church and it's amazing well and I would kind of say like I'm, I would I would call myself a Jesus follower um I just I reject the the name Christian somewhat just because of the baggage but um you know when you look at Jesus his life a he didn't say anything about being gay like <laughs> no no negative things about that um but he helped he helped people and he was kind of he was looked down on by the you know the Pharisees and Sadducees and you know he you know, he's very much into helping women, helping children, helping the least of these, um, and and also was kind of a rebel. And so I'm like, hmm, maybe maybe I could fit in with that, you know, because um, I really do believe if Jesus came back today and kind of started to to be part of the churches, he would be rejected. I really think so. Um, 
And so that's why I like to call myself a Jesus follower. And absolutely, absolutely. Somebody asked me one time why I, why why in the world would I ever go back to religion? And I said, well, I said I don't like religion. I don't like dogma. I said, I love having a relationship with Jesus and worshiping with people who are progressive and who mm -hmm. get it. I said, and however, I said, even if, even if, I said, not everybody in my, my Episcopal church, which I love very much, but not everybody is really keen. I don't think on the gay thing. They're quiet. Yeah, they, they're quiet. <laughs> quiet. But, yeah. but there again, I said, if I was not there, if I did not speak up and speak out and be as gay as I possibly can in church, they would not have that to put together. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to put together, oh, here's Midge and we like her and ooh, she's gay. Mm -hmm. And I did have a lady mm -hmm. the other day say to me, she's she's older, quite older, and she said, I just don't know why you keep shoving it down people's faces. We love you, you're here, we accept you. Why why keep bringing it up? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I took a breath. And I said, because honey, it's not over. If we quit speaking about it, yes. we have equal rights now. We yes. are still killed for holding hands in public and for naming the fact that, that we may be trans. I yes. said, it is not over. And until it's over, which is going to take a minute, I'm going to continue to bring it up and talk about it. Yeah, that's, oh my goodness. But yes, I, I hate that. And so- that that was sort of like the the thing on the top of it to say to me, I this is my mission field. Even though the Episcopal Church is open, affirming, and you know, as far as the as the diocese, they are open and affirming. You still have individual people who are old and they weren't raised with that, and they mm -hmm. don't get it, and they don't mm -hmm. dig deeper into the scriptures. They like the sermons, but they're not digging deeper into the scriptures. So mm -hmm. I see it as my little. I really believe that it's my my cross to bear is to be as openly gay in a church setting as I possibly can. Yeah, yeah, for representation. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. because when we're invisible, yes, we're done. Yep, I agree. Yeah. That, but we have to be visible and be visible with love because that's mm -hmm. what Jesus would do. And that, and me speaking up and out is sort of like kicking a table over in the synagogue. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm not always. Yeah. I, I can be very forceful and I can be very blunt. But uh -huh. I, I'm starting to soften the edges a little so that uh -huh. people can accept what I'm having to say and yeah. open. But I yeah. think that's what our job is in, in the world. If we're gay, we have to have our voice heard. We have Yes, absolutely. Because I didn't have any gay representation as a kid. I didn't have anyone to look to. That's right. And that's why healthy gay people, not just the pride parade. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. crap out of me when I first saw right. the pride parade. I was like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> what yeah. are they doing? And why are they wearing clothes? Um, it was just, it scared me as a kid because I wasn't around any of that. Uh -huh. So, yeah, but then when I went to my first metropolitan community church at the advice of a therapist, and I thought uh -huh. she was, but um, she, and I, I was introduced to, to women lawyers and women teachers. Uh -huh. and awesome. Powerful. Yeah looking women <laughs> I hate to say it that way but they were for me they looked like right. anybody else I would have known yeah yeah gotcha. by the way they were gay uh-huh that's part of my my thing I want to do you know I'm open on Facebook and I share pictures and I'm like hey I'm the new PR for gay people you know that's right. <laughs> so right and um, that's very healthy I think for us to be able to be in out and proud and 
working our daily lives. I mean, they mm -hmm. don't, it's like, we are just like everybody else. You know, we pay mm -hmm. bills. We have, you know, we have fights with our partner or our spouse, mm -hmm. you know, and yet we still love each other and it's okay. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Normalize it. Normalize it. Yes. And that's going to take a minute, <laughs> but we yeah. should be fighting. <laughs> right. Right. So with everything that you've been through and are still going through and your cousin is absolutely right. Time is, is what it takes. Mm -hmm. It takes time to soften people's hearts. It takes personal experiences with someone. And as you continue to navigate through your authentic self, I, I really pray. I do. I pray seriously that, that your, your family can have their little souls and their hearts crack open just a little bit to let some of that light mm -hmm. that you're willing to share with them in. And, you know, there are some that never get it and mm -hmm. we'll never know, but I'm so proud of you for being sober. I'm so proud of you for continuing to speak your truth and, and hold standards for yourself mm -hmm. and boundaries for yourself I'm just super yeah well yeah. thank you yeah yeah and I, I that's what you know it's not just me being gay it's everything's changed for me I I used to be so quiet and so scared to, to even talk and 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 just so meek you know I wouldn't even raise my hand in class and now like I stand up for myself now I'm on a podcast that I never thought you know whatever <laughs> do and and so it's uh I love I love experiencing this side of myself it's like you know every day I'm like wow who is this woman I don't know but I like her and so it's just right. it's, it's great I yeah remember, I remember our first conversation and I left our first conversation with well I won't I said it'll probably be years and years and years and years if she ever makes it to the podcast but I remember us talking about that mm -hmm. and how mm -hmm. I, I just and I prayed for you that day too I prayed for you that day because I thought man she has got a very ugly, hard road that she's mm -hmm. about to, and, and so to see you here as quickly as I did, I am, <laughs> it's a miracle. And I just, yeah, love I've grown so much. It's like, I'm on super speed grow. It's like, it's almost like when the, when you are open to experience to these things, the universe just opens up and it's like on speed, all the, the things like, you're learning. I grow. was ready. I was ready. I was just waiting for you. Turn around. I was waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So you. That's neat. Hey, you. So um, as we wind down uh, this podcast, is there something on your heart that you had wanted to make sure you said, and we might not have gotten to it yet or something that's really important for you to, to see. tell the See, Well, I think, you know, I wrote down here um, that I felt like before I was lying with my life, like I knew I was gay and I was still living a straight marriage and it just felt so horrible. Like it did not feel like a good godly thing to do, right? To lie with your life. And so it, I just realized I was in this predicament where either, you know, if you're, if you're trying to be a Christian, you know, the way that conservatives are then if you're gay then a you're either lying with your life by being straight or b sinning because you're you're gay and so it's like there's no winning in, in that situation so it's um it's like a double bond um but let's see that's the main thing i was gonna say and when i quit lying with my life i'm noticing all these verses coming true for me like i feel like a new creation i feel like the chains are gone like i don't have the shame I feel like, um, you know, the fruits of the spirit, those are coming up a lot faster for me. I'm having those. And it's just, like I said, it's on acceleration mode. It's, um, 
it, yeah, it's just really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Just being, so just being honest with myself has made me be honest with other aspects of things. Um, yeah. And I think that's tough because you start to see, um, you really start to notice and see. And I think that could be really tough because if no one else is noticing and seeing it, um, it just makes you feel alone. Well, I really appreciate you coming to the podcast, Hannah, and telling your story. It's, it's very mm-hmm. inspirational and it's very yeah. awesome that you've come so far. And I know that you'll still grow and you'll still settle in to who you are and who you're meant mm-hmm. to be. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. Yeah. yeah I hope it can help other people because other people's stories on your podcast have helped me. So it's, um, makes you feel less alone when you hear other people. You are definitely yeah. And stay in touch because, you know, we definitely want to stay in touch. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so guys, so. I want you to remember that we also, um, you know, we're not just here on the podcast. If you want to connect and grow deeper in your faith journey, uh, you can go to Facebook and join the Gay With God Facebook group. And if you need support with your coming out and or your faith journey, go to the empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how to connect with me. Remember to get that code for the Wild Goose Festival. That's going to be on the um, show page also. And I'm just so proud of you guys for continuing to support this um, this ministry for me and to continue to say, you know, what you're thinking and feeling about the episodes and uh, where it landed for you. So thank you for doing those comments. I appreciate it. If you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.